0: If you have your Bibles, open it to the book of Nehemiah. If you need uh, the scriptures, raise your hand and and we'll get you a copy. We're continuing our series through Nehemiah. You know, in the past few weeks, we've spoken about how it is people of intention who make a difference in the world, how Nehemiah stepped into A difficult situation. And because he did, we see that it helped an entire nation. That the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down are going to be rebuilt. And that we too have to be willing to step into the difficulties of others if we want to make a difference that to make a difference involves that kind of passion, that kind of concern. We have to care enough to want to change the circumstances around us. We also saw that fear can paralyze us, that even though Nehemiah was afraid, he still moved forward. He he spoke to the king even though his life was in peril. And because he didn't allow fear to paralyze him, he ended up getting more than he even asked for. The king gave him an armed escort. He was able to get supplies to help rebuild the city. And so he had the favor of the king, and he said God gave him that favor. But if he would not have moved in and passed that fear, none of that would have happened. So many times in our lives, we we come up to situations where we're afraid and we don't move and nothing happens. And so we saw the importance of being able to move past our fear to see the things happen that we would like to see happen. And we also saw last week how important it is for us to work together, that the wall was built by everyone, that there were the goldsmiths working next to the perfume makers that was working next to the guy who had the daughters, and they were all working together to rebuild the wall, that it wasn't a work that one person could do, it was necessary for all of them to be involved, and that we too can do more together than we can do alone. We've talked about our involvement with Haiti and in our community and how the money we've raised we're going to be taking there this month to help build the latrine for the school in Meribale. I think it's in Meribale. Is that right? We did that together. And we need one another. We we talked about how Paul gives a description of the church as a body, that we each have a, a response to fulfill the things that God has for us, that everyone has a part. And that if You're not doing your part. If I'm not doing my part, there is a gap in the wall, that there is a weakness that we all feel because when one person suffers, we all suffer. And so we talked about how we're in this together. Today in chapter 4, we're going to continue looking at what God does through this man And in this event, and let's read verses 1 through 6. When Sembalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, "This is his little sidekick. <laughs> I can, you know, his sidekick voice. <laughs> yeah, what are they building? <laughs> Even a fox climbing on it will break down their walls of stone. I just, that's sorry, I let you into my head." <laughs> Verse four. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight. For they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Verse 6, it says, So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked. With all their heart. Whenever you move to make change, whenever you are doing something that is going to make a difference in the world around you, there is going to be opposition. There are going to be people who are opposed to the change. They like things the way they are. They, they want things to remain the way they are. If you want to make a difference, you're going to have to ruffle some feathers. Sometimes you have to take a stand in spite of the things that are taking place. Sometimes you have to be willing to deal with the opposition because what you care about is more important. You're not concerned with what people say, what you believe in is more important. You need to be willing to take the ridicule, make the difference, not give in. Why was Sam Ballot and Tobiah so upset? What were they so enraged about? Well, we know in, in chapter two it says that are you guys going to rebel against the king? So maybe they were fearful. If the Jews get too powerful, they're going to be an adversary of ours. It says later on in this chapter, or just now when we read, it says, are they going to start their sacrifices again? So maybe they were concerned with their beliefs. They didn't like their beliefs. Or maybe they just didn't want to see them succeed. You know, it's an amazing thing about human nature. When someone else does well, especially someone who we know, maybe one of our peers, they they get a promotion, they get a good deal at the used car lot or something, and there's this tendency within us to get upset to get envious. I'm better than them. Why did they get a good deal? They didn't deserve that promotion. I deserve that promotion. I work much harder than them. God, why why would you bless them? I play the lottery just as much. I didn't win. I'm joking, I don't play the lottery. All this talk of gambling, you're gonna think this guy's got a problem. (laughs) But our hearts don't quickly go to rejoice. Instead, we become envious. Instead, we covet. Instead, we want to see them fail. And we get some kind of pleasure out of that. It happens all the time, and it happens a lot in churches. I mean, if we're going to be honest and talk about who we are, I think many times we as followers of Christ need to own what takes place in our own household. How many times I've heard conversation from leaders, from pastors that are talking about other churches and if they're doing well they want to ridicule them. Oh, they're doing well because and they'll blame it on some, you know, theological error. Oh, they're compromising this, they're doing that. And if one fails, it's like, well, of course they failed because, you know, they're not like us. And there's this comparison that takes place and it seems like we get pleasure from seeing others fail. And we need to be willing to take a stand against that kind of opposition, recognizing that any work of God and that does good around us is going to have opposition. Anything that wants to make a change in the circumstances and the world around us is going to encounter opposition, even if the change is for the good. We just get so set in our ways that we don't want to see things go well. Change is uncomfortable. It it takes us out of that zone where everything's fine. And so we complain. We don't like to be taken out of our comfort zone. You know, I love music. And when Corrine and I first got married, I bought this killer stereo system, had a great amplifier, had a nice turntable. This was before they went, you know, that kind of thing. It was just a nice turntable, spent a lot of money on a good needle. And I had a cassette deck, and I would take all my albums, and I would record them onto a cassette. And back then, there was different kinds of cassettes that you can have. And I got the chrome. I think it was the chrome. This was a long time ago. But the Chrome cassettes sounded better. The highs were more crisp. And I spent a lot of money on these cassettes and a lot of money on this turntable and a lot of money so that I can get my albums onto cassettes so I can play them in the cassette player in my car. And we'd go for a, a trip. We'd go away for the weekend and I'd get all my music. Okay, let me get my cassettes together. All right, I got this album. This, And I'd have about 10 cassettes or so, and I, okay, I'm, I'm ready. Then they came out with CDs. <laughs> I had all these cassettes. I spent all this money on the turntable, But CDs sound better. Not only that, you can skip the songs you don't like and go right to the ones you do so I could either stay with my cassettes. But once you heard the CD and you knew the benefits, how to get a CD, how to get a CD player, how to get a CD deck for my truck, because I love music. So I got the CDs. And I got a bunch of them. Had to get rid, you know, I didn't get rid of my, actually, I did get rid of my albums. I wish I didn't. was some money now, but... I had all these CDs I started collecting. You know, you find out, oh, the Beatles came out on CD. Oh, man, oh, awesome. (laughs) What's my favorite album? Because they cost money. And soon I got this collection of CDs. And now whenever I went, I had this big thing of CDs that I'd take with me so I could have my music with me. Then they came out with an iPod. But I bought all these CDs. I had a CD player. But I could fit all my CDs on one iPod. I could have all my music with me. I could fly to another country and take all my music with me and not have this big old bag, you know, your little portable CD player that now is like a purse, you know? And I didn't want to, but I, I had to. Why? Because I love music. I don't know what they're going to come up with next, but I'm probably going to buy it. (laughs) Because I love music, but I hate the change. And so many times we get stuck in a place where we don't want to change, but if we love what God is doing, then we need to be willing to make the change so that we can move forward as God moves forward. See, a lot of people could say, you know what, we're fine here. We don't need to go back to Jerusalem. I've got my house over here in Babylon. I don't need to go back. We don't need to rebuild the walls. You know, we'll just deal with the robbers and stuff. It's too much work to change. We, we don't want to deal with these people who are opposing us. Let's just let it go. Let's just go with the status quo, not make waves. Don't work too hard, don't make a difference. Just keep everything the same. Because I don't like change and I don't like opposition. Now, I wanna give you a key to help you. Who here would like to avoid opposition? Raise your hand if you'd like to avoid opposition. Okay, I'm gonna give you the key to avoid opposition do nothing worthwhile don't make a difference in the world don't push against the things that are wrong don't try too hard and everyone will leave you alone if you don't want opposition don't do anything that's worth opposing stay with your cassettes they're just fine They're good enough. But what you'll find out is that you'll make no difference in the world around you. Is that what you want? Hope not. See, that's the only way you can avoid opposition is to succumb to that complacency that doesn't want to make a difference. And it's so easy to go there. It's so easy to get caught up in what is comfortable it's so easy to make it about you and your comfort instead about god's plan what god wants to do not only in your life but in the life of those around you you know in china when they were starting to develop glass in the european nations the country of china didn't develop glass because their china was so good their ceramics were so much superior than all the other countries around them. And so why do we need to make glass to make bowls? Our ceramic bowls are so much nicer. Why do we need to make glass to make cups? Our ceramic cups are beautiful. And so they didn't move forward in making glass. They didn't pursue that. But you see, then the glass became opportunity for making glasses, making microscopes, making things that helped life. And now the people who were learned, the people who were their teachers, could actually continue reading and teaching for another 10 to 15 years because they could make glasses. And all of a sudden, the other nations pushed ahead of China economically, and in so many social ways because they invested in the change to make the difference. If I didn't have my glasses, I'd be lost. The change came, they didn't embrace it, and they fell behind. God is always moving. God is always doing a work. God is always doing something new. And if we are not... Willing to make changes and move forward, we will miss what God is doing. Now I was thinking as Danny and the band were playing, I was thinking, oh man, it was I just enjoyed worship this morning. Thanks, you guys. It was great. It was a neat time. But there was a time when you could not play guitar in church. Especially electric guitar and drums, forget about it. It's of the devil. I remember hearing pastors talk about the evils of rock and roll music. And so, I don't know where they are now. Do they still have the pipe organ? they still have the old lady on the piano? You guys know what I'm talking about. And so, what happens to them if they don't adapt and start making the change and make a difference. They don't make a difference. They're comfortable. They like, you know, Henrietta's music and they're happy to stay the way things are. But you see, really, this is about communion with God. Really, this is about God putting on the heart of Nehemiah to move his people forward to make a difference and so he moves into this opposition and he has this relationship with God that says even though there is opposition and even though some people aren't willing I'm going to get people on board I want them to see what is going to be better for them, better for our nation and the same thing is true with the church today. We are going to do the things that further the message of Christ even though others might ridicule it, even even though those might complain. Why? Because we want to be a part of what God is doing. We want to be reaching the people that Jesus loves. And I'm not going to sit in my church building, put our own bubble around us and say, okay, this is who we are. If you want to find God, come and be like us. Because that's not what God did. God became man. God Reached out. Talk about a culture, a shock, come from heaven to earth. And I don't think we understand how this looks. You see, when Jesus came down, he looked like the color of the culture around him. I know all the paintings, he's a white European guy. But he wasn't. He was Jewish. He was dark brown, perhaps even close to, to black in his Skin pigmentation. Because he looked like the people around him. It wasn't the one pink guy walking around there. <laughs> and, and I don't mean to, to be offensive, but he smelled like the people around him. He worked as a carpenter. He sweated. He sweat, whatever. he sounded and spoke in the language of the people around him. Because that way he could communicate with the culture and the people around him. And what he did was brought light into a place of darkness. As Nehemiah is establishing, once again, the nation of Israel in these countries that are pagan all around them, he's making the stand, making the difference right in the midst of all that turmoil. And that's what we've been called to do, is to step into this place to be a part of the culture, to make a difference. And Nehemiah wasn't afraid to step into that. We shouldn't be afraid either. When they ridiculed him, verse 4, it gives us his response. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. He prayed. This is good advice for all of us. When people are opposing us, pray. He didn't lash back out against them. That's what I like to do. When people have talked about me, I want to prove them wrong. I want to write emails. I want to post things on Facebook. I I want people to know of the injustice that was done to me. Not Nehemiah, he prayed. He took us to God and said, God, this is happening. Deal with it, please. Kept his eyes on God, moved forward in the things that he had to do. I think that's good advice for us. The sad thing is, the tragic thing is, most of the complaining, most of the opposition comes from our brothers. That's just true. I've never had anyone come up to me who didn't believe in Christ and say, you know what, I really don't like what you're saying. I don't like how you're doing things. I don't like your methods. It's always from my brothers. And it doesn't always come in a way that's there to help me or build me up. I hear it through the grapevine. Oh, yeah, so-and-so said this about you. Oh, thanks, brother. And I get mad and I want to respond and my tension gets focused on the things that are being said, the injustices, the opposition, and I can take my eyes off the ball and forget what God is doing and get distracted. It's happened more than one time where, you know, the people around me, I said, Sam, who cares? Let's just move forward. Let's just keep on track with what God is doing with us. Who cares what other people say? It's about what God wants. Let's stay on track with that. And so Nehemiah did. And he continues here. We, we see a change. I mean, from verse 6 where it says, the people worked with all their heart. From last week in chapter 3 where everyone worked together, here the people are working with all their heart. Now they got the wall halfway built. Things couldn't be better. Things are going great. Then there's verse 7, and it continues. But when Zimbalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet their threats. Now look what happens in verse 10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to their work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over. They told them over and over and over again, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Right when things seem to be going good, again, there's opposition. We shouldn't be surprised by this. Jesus said in John 16, in the world you will have tribulation but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. We should expect it. James tells us, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials and temptations, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You ladies are going through that in your Bible study with Beth Moore. And so we shouldn't be caught off guard, but you notice what happened from verse 6 when the people are working with all their heart, to verse 10, the strength of the labors is giving out. All it takes is opposition. All it takes is someone to stand up. All it takes is the difficulty and circumstances. And all of a sudden, our strength is gone. It doesn't just steal our joy. It steals our energy. You guys experience that? I know the psalmist talks about this in Psalm 22. Verse 14, he says, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax. It has melted me within. My strength has dried up like sun-baked clay. Talking about those who are oppressing him. Man, there are times where situations just take the wind out of our sails. There will be some kind of difficulty that will hit us and just take the wind out of us. And we have no energy, we have no strength, we have no even desire to move forward. And it could be yesterday, I was there with all my heart, I had energy, an event happens and then all of a sudden things change. I spoke about this Thursday night, a while back, got a phone call, it was late at night, it was about 10 o'clock our time, got a phone call that my son, who is in Texas, had been hit by a car. And there were some situations that were going on where he wasn't making sense and then we couldn't get a hold of him. His wife called us. We were talking back and forth. What happened to him? I don't know. He started ranting and raving and then his phone died. Of course, phones always die on those circumstances. Don't you know? Batteries last until there's a problem. Till you really need it, and then, boom, it's gone. And so the last thing we know is my son is hit by a car, he's injured, something's not right, and we can't get a hold of him, and he's out in Louisiana, she's in Texas, we're in California. This happens at 10.30 at night. Trying to get a hold of him, trying to find out what's going on, calling hospitals to see if anyone has been admitted, trying to find out what can we do. Get a flight to fly into Louisiana. I meet his wife over there so that we can go and search for my son who has been hit by a car. And we don't know where he's at. It's moving on one o'clock in the morning. The flight is, I think, nine o'clock in the morning. And I can't sleep. Lay down, try and get some rest. Wake up and still no word, no answer on his phone, leaving messages, call me as soon as you can. But there's no word and I just felt like I'd been gutted. I felt like I I could barely move. I'm walking to the airport and I'm just overwhelmed. My strength is gone. I get on the flight and now there's no phone, no way to communicate. For three hours or so, flying over to Louisiana is the longest three hours of my life. And all I can do is think and think and think. And it's just wearing me out, wearing me out, wearing me out. The circumstances of life can knock you down and they can drag you out. And it feels like you're dead. And it's all you can do to just keep moving forward. The people had opposition. Their lives were threatened. They had no energy. They were beat. Finally, when I landed in Louisiana, got a message, a voicemail, that my son had contacted his wife. He was okay. He was at the place where he was working. He had a concussion. And so... He lost this gap of time in his mind. We got there. We were able to take him to the doctor. They confirmed he had a concussion. And all of a sudden, I feel like my strength is coming back. My son's alive again. It's okay. Okay. I can breathe. I'm able to to move forward. And what happens here is the same thing with them. They were zapped of their strength. They were fearful and in verse 10 or verse 14 actually it says let's take it from 13 therefore i stationed nehemiah stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places posting them by families with their swords spears and bows after i looked things over i stood up and i said to the nobles and officials and the rest of the people do not be afraid of them remember the lord who is great and awesome you should mark that Remember the Lord who is great and awesome because sometimes that's all you have to hold on to. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. And so Nehemiah encouraged them. He set up people to guard them so that they could see, hey, we're going to make this. We're going to deal with this and we're going to fight through this. You know, the word afraid takes place three times in the book of Nehemiah. The first time it takes place in chapter 2 where Nehemiah is afraid because he's going to speak to the king and he knows his life is in danger because the king can say, off with your head. And so Nehemiah is afraid. He faces his fear and he moves forward. The second time is right here where Nehemiah is now able to tell them, don't be afraid. The only reason Nehemiah can tell them not to be afraid is because he moved past his fear. The only reason he could tell them to remember that the Lord is great is because he has experienced that the Lord is great. In spite of his fear, in spite of the opposition, he knows that God is faithful. He knows that that God is great and awesome. The third time takes place in chapter 6, and now it is the enemy who is afraid because they saw that the hand of God was with them. Now, this is the amazing thing because God has taken the fear that was put on them and has now put it on the enemy, just like Nehemiah prayed. But what happened is they kept moving forward. They didn't stop. They kept building in spite of the opposition. They kept pressing forward to rebuild the wall. They did not give up. And then the fear that they had was now put on their enemies and they were afraid because God is with these people. And he changed the circumstances. Paul tells us in Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good for in the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I know that you're like me and that you get tired. I know that you're like me, that times get difficult and you want to quit. I know that you have thoughts in your head, or at least I hope you do, otherwise I'm really exposing myself here, that there's times where you wonder, God, is this any good? Does this really matter? Are you even there? Do you hear me? Because I just cannot go through another thing like this. I cannot deal with one more problem. I Just do not have the strength. Don't grow weary And doing what is good. In the proper time, you will get the harvest if you don't give up. And I think the lesson in chapter 4 is to not give up. Is to remember that the Lord is great and awesome is to keep our focus on him and not on the problem that's all around us. And as Nehemiah encourages the people and moves them forward, we see the change takes place as he tells them not to be afraid. There's a great picture that takes place in Verse 16, we read, From that day on, half of my men did their work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. For we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards by night and as workers by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes, each had his weapon, even when he went for water. What a picture this is. What an illustration of determination. We're going to see this project through. And so I'll be working, but I have my weapon and I'm ready. What a picture for our life as we move forward in the things that we want to build, in the lives that we want to establish, where we want to do what is good, but we have this understanding that this is always war. This is always battle. That there is always going to be opposition. And I wish I could take it away from you, but I can't. All I can do is say, remember, God is great and he's awesome. And if you blow the trumpet that you need help, we'll be there. And if we blow the trumpet, we need you there. We are here to build each other up and help each other in this journey. Because we are weak. Because we can't do it alone. Because sometimes fear takes our hearts and holds us captive. Because sometimes to move forward is so difficult. Sometimes we feel like we're just treading water to stay alive. How how can I be of any use to God if I'm just trying to live? Don't give up. Don't give up. In time, I don't know when, but in time you will receive a harvest. And it'll be the proper time if you don't give up. Let's keep pushing forward. Let's keep trying to take this faith that we have and affect the world around us. Let's keep learning how we can communicate better this Jesus we believe to the world around us. Let let us be the, the color of our culture. Let us be the voice that they understand. Let us involve ourselves in those areas where it's difficult like in the sex trafficking or in the... A healthy start, or in the family foothills shelter or in Haiti or in Mexico or in your family or in your school or in your work. Let's be that light that holds on to the truth in those places and when you start to fall, when you start to give up, remember the Lord is great and awesome and you can blow the trumpet and call your brothers and your sisters to your aid and say, I'm being hammered right now, I need help. I'm so thankful for the people in my life and Corrine's life who we can call on that come to our aid. And I've called on them plenty of times. I've called people. I said, hey, I need help. This is a situation even with my son when that happened. I got help. I got prayer. I talked to a number of people where I just was able to cry to them and say, I think this has happened. I don't know if he's dead or alive. I don't know what's going on. And have them pray for me. I blew the trumpet and I had people come to my aid. You need that too. You need people in your life that you can do that with. And that's not going to happen if you aren't a part of the work. That's what the body of Christ means. We are all here for one another. And so I encourage you to be involved with each other's lives so that someone can call on you when they're in need so that you can call on someone when you're in need and God can use them to strengthen you and we have the reminder that God is great and he is awesome and we can take what is making us afraid and turn it so now that others will see that God is with us and the work will be completed. Let's pray. Father, I know that we grow tired. Struggling to make ends meet. Maybe it's financially. Maybe we're struggling with our own weaknesses. Our own frailty, our own addictions, our own sinfulness. Maybe we're struggling in the opposition that is there from our family, from our friends, from our brothers or sisters. And our strength is gone. Where at one time we were working with all our hearts and now we find ourselves just out of strength, out of gas, afraid, paralyzed. And we need to hear that you are great and awesome. We need to know that there is someone standing guard We need to know that this work can be completed, that we need to push forward and not give up in doing what is good. And trust that in the proper time, you will bring that harvest that will replenish our souls, that will revive us, that will give us strength, that will help us to be able to, once again, carry on that work if we don't give up. And Lord, I know there are some here this morning who maybe even have already given up. They're coming here just because, well, we're supposed to. But in their souls, they've given up. They've thrown in the towel. They don't know how to move forward. Lord, you're still great and awesome. Lord, although the attacks and the threats may not go away, although the financial situation may not change, we need to keep our focus in doing what is good, doing what is right. Maybe the health won't change. Maybe that sickness will actually get worse. But you will bring the harvest if we don't give up. You bring ultimate healing. And Father, I pray that you would restore those who have been beaten down, those who are broken, those who feel alone. Lord, may they reach out. May they blow that trumpet and get the help they need. And I pray that you would knit our hearts together. Father, that we could strengthen one another, that we could be here for one another. And may we keep moving forward, God. Give us a vision to see how we can change the world around us as we represent you even as you changed our lives, may we step into the lives of others to make a difference. No matter how difficult it is, no matter the opposition, may we take a stand and make a difference for your sake, in your name. Amen.